Secret Satan. A seasonal murder mystery in 24 episodes. Written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 7 New Project, New Kanban Board I am an easily distracted, forgetful person. This means I write a lot of lists. It also means that I get distracted halfway through writing the list and then forget that I even started. Months later, I then find the list and cannot remember what anything on it means. Post? Does that mean a letter I had to send or collect? Or does that mean social media? Or was I building a fence? What is widgetization? Does that say bongo? The function that the list, in fact, provides is not an aid memoir of things to do, but instead a sort of everyday mystery, some recreational cryptanalysis, a little cognitively stimulating puzzle-solving, and, more importantly, a source of guilt. Here is a list of things you meant to do and did not. In fact, you so completely failed to do them that you can no longer remember what they were. Most of the time, guilt is about the only thing I do get done. Guilt is achievable, and the thing I'm very good at. If I feel guilty about not having gone somewhere, not having called someone, not having ticked something off, then at least I have done something about it. Something had to be done, and guilt is something being done. Tick. Accomplished. Achievement. Move on. Kanban boards are the best kind of list in that they are a task to create in themselves and so represent an achievement already, even before you tackle anything on them. If you don't know what a Kanban board is, Think of it this way. You have a big cork board, and using some nice pink ribbon and some thumbtacks, you make some neat little columns on it, stretching the ribbon to form lanes. Let's say it's four columns. To do, doing, in review, and done. Now we're going to go to the stationery cupboard, and after being surprised all over again by the secret Satan on the top shelf, we're going to find some index cards. Each thing on our to-do list is going to get an index card, detailing all the things that task requires. And to begin with, they all get pinned up in the to-do column. Then, as they all get done, they jump down the columns towards done. All this, but, you know, digital. I mean, this is the real computer revolution, right? Taking a perfectly simple human task that a five-year-old could perform and turning it into a massively complex operation that requires dedicated software, a whole maintenance team, and weekly update meetings. Incredible stuff. I love them. Not least because I can happily spend hours thinking of project stages for the columns, writing up cards, deciding on the colours and fonts, and never have to actually do anything on the list, and still feel like I've achieved something. Progress, that's what that is. So, new project, new Kanban board, even if that project is a murder investigation. As it turns out, writing up cards about your co-workers can be extremely enjoyable, but that's not to say that I couldn't be distracted even from that. A distraction from a distraction is the most enjoyable kind. So when Edie happened to mention that she was going Christmas shopping at lunchtime and Ned said he would join her, I decided I would rather be doing that too. They, I suspected, decided that they would rather I wouldn't, but were far too polite to tell me so out loud, and I was far too determined to be distracted to honour the hint. And, I feel I should point out in my defence, determined not to be distracted because this was also a chance to move two of my cards, the ones titled Edie Letterby and Ned Fine, down a column into investigating. Where they were going, it turned out, was not just shopping, but shopping in Selfridges on Oxford Street. I personally prefer Harrods. Not to shop in, obviously, but just as a place. 
Harrods, to me, is the perfect department store. It is preposterous, pointless and puzzling. A great rambling place full of odd nooks and departments, of goods no one could possibly like or want, and odd people who nonetheless appear to like and want them. It is like a, an urban safari park, a hothouse in which you can goggle at all the exotic and ridiculous fauna in a strange facsimile of their natural habitats. Selfridges always feels more clinical to me, more rational and sensible and therefore a good deal more dull. And Oxford Street is hell, obviously. Long matured from De Quincey's stony-hearted stepmother into a full Disney cartoon evil witch queen stepmother who occasionally turns into a dragon. Ned Fine, on the other hand, and not unusually, disagreed with me entirely, and also, not unusually, he told me so. Classic, innit? He said as we threaded our way through the back streets trying to take Oxford Street by surprise. Which is another word for featureless, I said, all clean white surfaces and glass, boring. Linus likes whimsy, said Edie. Curlicues, ornamentation, unnecessary decoration. Look at his beard. Form follows function, said Ned, somewhat pompously, I thought. It's good design, right? You're assuming that the function of a department store is shopping, I said, which I suspect is where we disagree. It was. Ned very much thought a shop was for shopping. In fact, it quickly transpired that Selfridges was where he went shopping, the only place for everything. That's the point of a department store, he said. It has departments. It has departments for everything. It has everything. You only need to go to one store. What, for everything, I said, bewildered. For milk, for tissues, for shoe polish. Food hall, said Ned. Pharmacy, home accessories. I very much suspected that Edie felt the same way as I did. She did not strike me as a Selfridges sort of person. Liberties felt more likely. Maybe heels. More probably a selection of obscure specialist stores scattered across the capital. Pop boutique in Seven Dials for her vintage jackets. Present and correct in Sadler's Wells for her fountain pens. Spectacular off Brick Lane for her glasses. And are you looking to pick up some loo paper in the food hall, Edie? I said. Well, she said with a condescending tilt of her head, I might find something for my husband. I got the impression that she suspected that that was all he deserved, so she appeared to be following Ned, and the Kanban board said I had to follow the pair of them, so off we went to Oxford Street, to Selfridges, to the lower ground floor. Lower ground. It's a basement. Call it a basement. It sounds more exciting than lower ground, as does subterranean or cellar. Vault. You see what I mean about Selfridges? It's dull. Anyway. Down into the basement went Edie and I, trailing Ned around kitchenware and technology, and most of all stationery, where we examined every pen and leafed through every notebook. In fact, I noted that there was a lot of noting going on. Ned was noting what he liked, but Edie was noting too. Every time Ned put a notebook back on the pile with a, that's nice, and turned his attention to an imported Japanese pen, out would come Edie's phone and she'd start tapping into it. It seems slightly like too much of a coincidence that she just happened to be sending texts every time Ned liked an object. All of which I noted, as I did, the fact that the pair of them were very keen to be shot of me and kept edging away every time my attention was distracted. Unfortunately, as I have noted before, I am easily distracted, and eventually I looked up from a very nice little brass instrument for drawing circles to find that they had both completely disappeared. You have been listening to Secret Satan, 
a workplace mystery presentation in 24 slides, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Our music is Holiday Weasel by Kevin MacLeod from filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman, who you can find at jamielenman.com. Our Christmas stories are on Spotify, YouTube and Substack and you can find links to all of these on our website, christmasstories.co.uk or you can subscribe on your podcast app. Wherever you listen, please take time to rate and review and make sure you don't miss the next episode of Secret Satan. Secret Satan